Good morning, good morning, family. Good morning. This in conversation with L.Y. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And much appreciation for those of you taking the time. I trust you're going to take advantage of it today. Those of you who are off, make sure that uh, you get something done and enjoy. Be safe out there. Proceed on with a good day, good day. Uh, got good program for you this morning. We're going to be talking with the coach. He's got some information uh, regarding the death of a good friend of his and, 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 and the community. I, I met the gentleman once or twice, but uh, we'll let the coach share more about the, his passing. And then uh, we're going to talk about uh, some, some very important issues coming up in the legislature. They're now halfway through, and uh, the session is a 90-day session. And they're halfway through now, so we got another, what, six, seven weeks to go. And uh, Senator Corey McRae will be with us to give us that update. And then uh, there's uh, some, expecting some calls to tell us what is going on with the case of uh, Marilyn Mosby, which uh, this weekend I was uh, privileged to be a part of a fantastic gathering and I'll say a little more about that uh, as well. And, and uh, but uh, let me see. Let me get uh, MC on board. Uh, the Big E's already in. So, uh, MC, good morning. How you doing, man? Hey, good morning. How you doing, big brother? Hanging in there, sir. Hanging in there. But uh, I can see that the crime wave is keep on coming. Yeah, let me tell you, man. Um, we got to um. Uh, we gotta support. Uh, number one, we, we I'm, this city, man. Um, I've never seen it like this. Um, like we gotta support our governor and our state's attorney and uh, um, brave Miss Brave Boy, who was considered progressive at one time. But you gotta have progress in order to be progressive, and and they having a town all the night, man, because. It's a it, it is a sense it's an emergency urgency in this in this uh this city right now, man. Young people, um, and it's only about ten percent, but it's like one hundred eighty six thousand young people, and uh, they're really they're going around they're carjacking people. You know, you've seen the video of of the guy. Oh my goodness! Oh, personal experience. Um, the other day, and I really thought you know that I could have lost my life um to these teenagers had I said the wrong thing. Um, the other day, man, and, and nobody should be like this. They just carjacked somebody up in Pigtown, put a gun up to their head. They, uh, the lady that was was um, putting her groceries, the Jamaican lady, put a gun up to her head, stole her groceries. You know, shooting in the crowd, killing people, and all this kind of stuff. And 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 it is and the older teenagers or whatever they are using the younger teenagers because of these silly laws. We shouldn't have this all this debate and stuff. And thank God for Corey McRae and people like that realize our, our officers should be armed in our schools and we have a sense of emergency when it comes to lawlessness in this city. For sure, for sure. 
And the uh, that that terrible video that you showed the other day, uh, where they literally stripped this man down to his underwear. You saw it and bragged about it, but I was able to show it to to uh, Shiraldi, and I was able to show it to the mayor um, when we had a couple of weeks ago at Cherry Hill when we had the big uh, youth from out there, man. So, you know, I was at an event and uh, um, to yesterday man it was so awesome and 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 uh all of the pastors and and the muslim brothers and them uh, and man it was uh uh black family day man it was like 300 people there they gave away four three or four hundred three hundred dinners afterwards it was really classy and uh bishop daniel and and everybody you know bishop watson and uh, uh, Dr. Bunley and all, you know, my, co- my cousin, uh, Elder Rodell Hall from CRL and uh, Maven, uh, Maven um, Iron Maven and uh, just of organizations. And it was just beautiful, man. Me and, me and my wife went and it was beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. But um, like the, like um, the minister said yesterday, love, um, he said, that's how we got to tackle this thing with, with with spiritual love man and, and stuff like that we can't um you know we can't just let this thing um, go man our city's in crisis wow for sure for sure for sure wow well let me let me just share a couple of issues that uh we're going to try to be to explore we'll mention do some we call mentions now but hopefully we can get some background and further have discussion. But one of the things that I did want to bring to your attention is that the city uh, near the deadline on relief funding, the, uh, the constituencies in place for projects facing challenges, with the deadline to obligate $641 million and American Rescue Plan Act money now less than a year away. Baltimore officials said, <laughs> Baltimore officials uh, were saying that they are creating a constituency plan to substitute projects that are in danger of not meeting the deadline. The federal money distributed to jurisdictions across the country in the wake of COVID-19 pandemic must be obligated by December 31st, meaning the funds are assigned to a contract, purchase order, or invoice that's been approved by the city. Cities have longer to actually spend the funds before they risk forfeiture. However, the spending deadline is not until December 2026. Funds have been slow to be obligated particularly in some city departments that have faced challenges with supply chain demands, turnover in staffing and leadership. The Office of Recovery Programs, which was created a vet and monitor spending, has also spent time judging potential projects against that looks at the public good they create, risk involved, and impact on equality. As a result, obligation and spending rates have lagged. The Department of Recreation and Parks, where $41 million has been committed, only 6.9% of its funds were spent at the end of 2023. And the Mayor's Office of Homeless Services, which has 
73 million committed. It's 7.3% only. The obligation wow. deadline is for sure going to be a challenge, says Shamar Kearney, director of the Office of Recovery Programs. That's what she told the city council on Thursday. A lot of money has to be moved in a short period of time. Wow. Now, Shameful. It is. It is. I mean, if you, come on now. Shameful. And now you got 23 years in Annapolis. Please speak on this. How can you not, with, with, with a city that, that has the homeless problem that we have, with a city that, that, that's all about grassroots that need money, you know, are not getting it at all, you know, on and on and on. No air conditioning. Schools fall now closed. You know, uh, you you could be, you know, just on and on and on, man. How do you feel about this as a 23-year uh, politician, man? This is, this, is, this is absolutely tragic. I mean, here you got $73 million, and only 7.3% of it has been used? And yet we see every day, I just the other day, I saw Christine Flowers showing some video of yeah. conditions that are going on. I mean, somebody needs to call this into quick order. Quick order. Crazy, man. I told you. I told you, lie. I say all this money that we have, and 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 we and and it's, not, it's just being wasted and all this kind of stuff. And Baltimore, the streets are tore up, and just on and on and on, man. People could be getting raises, like the Department of, uh, uh, you know. Just on and on and on, man. You you know the political more than I do, man. This is just unacceptable, as far as I'm concerned. Well, we're going to we're going to spend some time in checking this out and following up on it. Also, yeah. I wanted to bring uh, to your, to the family's attention that the police department have ma has made, according to most, substantial progress in how its officers respond to people with behavioral health issues but falling short getting enough officers to take advanced training in how to manage people in crisis. A report by the Consent Decree Monitor Team found fewer than 10% of Baltimore police officers have been trained in CIT, short for Crisis Intervention Team, according to the report. The city's policing consent decree with the U.S. Department of Justice requires 30% of officers to be CIT trained, meaning the department needs to triple the number to achieve that benchmark. Now, the training is supposed to provide officers who volunteer the skills and field of evaluations, suicide intervention, available resources, common mental health and disability diagnosis, and crisis de-escalation, de according to the consent decree. While such officers are intended to serve as the primary responders to calls for service where someone is experiencing a behavioral health-related uh, crisis and a police response is necessary, CIT officers respond to less than a third of the behavioral health calls in sampling of calls from 2022, the new report found. And only 8.4% of those calls that a patrol officer call for backup from CIT officer the department's crisis response team or behavioral health provider. The lack of CIT training where the Baltimore Police Department has room to improve on its crisis response, the monitor team report said 
but it also said that a shorter behavioral health program rolled out to all rank-and-file officers has improved officers' responses. The program has dramatically changed the nature of encounters between people with behavioral health disabilities and who are in a behavioral health crisis and the police department. So I'm going to try to get Dr. Grady Dale on next week and let him talk to us about this mental health situation. I'm glad there's some progress being made, but the fact that we got to still get 20% more of our officers trained, come on down. If you say it's 10%, here it is 2024, and only in 22 did you have 10%. What do you, did you have in 2023? Uh, I tell you, I'm looking at the clock, and uh, what we're, we're going to do, um, I got uh, the coach on board, and uh, we're going to catch up with him. And then after that, uh, we're going to mm-hmm. talk about the I, – I, 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 I started to say an M.M., but Marilyn Mosby's situation and two fine gentlemen yeah. – we're going to be with us on that issue as well. Yes, sir. And then we're going to hear from State Senator Corey McCray. As I said, we're halfway through the Maryland General Assembly session, and so he's going to be coming on at the 1030 minute and uh, talk to us and give us updates on how far they're coming and with another six or seven weeks left to go. But for right now, uh, as I was telling Biggie on the more, uh, just a second ago, it looks like we're going to be able to hold on to our um, Mr. Beckham. And uh, let me get the Good. coach. How are we doing, sir? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And like, just real quick, when you have Senator McCray on, can you or Mark remember to ask him about this bill that has been proposed by a delegate um, uh, Ruth out of Baltimore County and Senator Washington out of Prince George's County? Now, I don't know whether either you're aware of this, but Maryland Democrats are proposing a bill that would prevent students who molest or threaten others on their school properties from being And there's more to it, but, but I, I, I mean, that to me makes no sense, none whatsoever. Mm. Sure. Right. No, no. No, not until you just brought it to my attention, no, sir, but we will ask him. You yes. Have, and, you know what the bill number is? I uh, don't know what the oh, okay, number okay. is. We'll, we'll but, it was, but it's being proposed by Sheila Roof, Baltimore mm-hmm. County, and Alonzo Washington, Prince George's County. Okay. You know, as, it would as do a what? I, I didn't hear you, Coach. It would do what? It, it would uh, basically what they're saying is that that bill would prevent students who threaten or molest others on their school's property from being charged. What? Yeah, yep, yep. I mean, now, now that's, yeah. Gee. Now, yep, and, and Delegate Ruth went on to claim that when a child is arrested in class, it not only impacts that child, but the other children in the class. Okay, but again, when you have certain certain infractions, and they're saying if you threaten a teacher, bodily harm, that if they're on the school grounds, there's no penalty to it. 
I don't understand that. I know not. Yeah, we're gonna. That's definitely something we're gonna explore with them. Uh, yeah, uh, during the time we we'll talk with them, we'll take that up. We'll take it up with them, Coach. Thank you, man. Yeah. Oh well, well, hey, Coach, we lost uh, one of basketball's uh, big folks, Mister Lefty. Yes. Yeah. Lefty Giselle, yes, Lefty Giselle passed on early Saturday morning at the age of 92 years old. And I tell you, this guy is responsible for bringing big-time college basketball to the Maryland, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And he was, he was just um, a program builder. That's what some coaches are program builders. And what I mean by that is they can come in and from scratch build a program and take a program to national prominence. And Lefty did that. But Lefty also was a showman. He understood the business of basketball where he would recruit big names and and he would fill Coalfield House up. Uh, he was the creator of Midnight Madness. And what that is is like the NCAA says that uh, you can't start practice before a certain date. But once that date hits, instead of waiting until like noon or two or four in, in the afternoon, Lefty, would, as soon as that date hit midnight, he'd start practice. And it, it became such a big thing that you would have thousands and thousands of fans at Cole Fieldhouse watching Midnight Madness. And, of course, you know, he recruited players from the Washington area, from the Baltimore area. And, you know, I, I talked to them, and, and some had their ups and downs with him, but they all were really uh, grateful for the opportunity that he prevented it or, or, or not prevented, but presented to them. Uh, Ernie Graham is one. Um, Larry Gibson uh, played at uh, University of Maryland, of course, uh, under Lefty Giselle. So he, he was definitely a giant and in the coaching arena. What was the ball player that we had, uh, and he went to Boston and took ill? Uh, he didn't take ill. He 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 died. I'm talking about oh. Lynn Bias. Oh my goodness! Yes. Yeah. 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 He and 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 that was that was Coach Dizel's downfall. Not necessarily that because of Lynn Bias's overdose, but he had, uh, according to reports, he had instructed his assistants to go to the room and sanitize the room before anybody else came in. And as you remember, after Lynn Bias, that was it for Lefty, and then Bob Wade came in, and of course, that's a pet peeve of mine because the university never gave Bob Wade a shot. And I still believe to this day, if they had given Bob Wade at least four years, he would have taken him to a national championship. I'm a, for sure, for sure. Yeah, but, but but that was Lynn Bias, and you know you can make the argument that Lynn Bias may have been the greatest player to play uh, for the University of Maryland. But you you know you've got John Lucas, uh, 
You've got Tom McMillan. Uh, those guys played uh, under Coach Dizelle. And then later on, when Gary Williams comes, you have Juan Dixon. And, and he won a championship for him. So there's, there's been a great connection between the Baltimore uh, basketball world and the University of Maryland. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I I, I was noticing, uh, partner, that the Orioles' uh, mm-hmm. new owner, Rubenstein, has uh, made it clear as he can that uh, the Orioles are going to stay in Baltimore. Oh, you know, oh no, the Orioles aren't going to leave Baltimore. No, they they they. I I don't think the league, even if the Angelos family had wanted it. I don't think the league owners would have voted on them leaving Baltimore. Uh, the Orioles are a an institution in terms of baseball. And under this new ownership, it's a good time to be an Oriole fan. It's a great time to be an Oriole fan because, as I mentioned before, the general manager, Larry, he did a job that I don't think we've witnessed. He turned around a, a team that was rock bottom and, and rebuilt it with, with nothing but prospects. And right now the Orioles are going to be one of the best teams in baseball. Now, the, the problem they're going to have, they're in the American League East, and that means they got to compete against the Tampa Bay, Toronto, the Yankees, and the Red Sox, but they're going to have the talent to hang with those teams. You bring new ownership in, then here's what you need to look out look out for, is when these young players that they have, in another three, four years, when their contracts are up, will ownership be willing to pay the big bucks to keep them in Baltimore? Hmm. But... Until that happens, it's a great time to be an Oreo fan because you know your team is going to be in the playoffs, if not the World Series. Gotcha. Got one other question for you, good man, and that is this. The question was, will Beckham be back next season? Why wouldn't he? I mean, the the, the reporter is saying like it's a complicated question for the Ravens and him. What's the problem? Well, if, if, if I'm a general manager, I wouldn't bring him back. I would not bring him back because at, at his age, and he's, he's very prone to injury for the last five or six years, and you look at the development of the other receivers, I don't think he's a factor. So would I bring him back? No, I would not. I would not bring him back. Now, uh... A lot depends on Flowers. Now, if, if Flowers is not in any legal problems, I know I wouldn't bring him back. Because you, you, you look at the salary cap hit that, that he's putting on the team, and you look at his availability, and then you look at the other weapons that you have, no, I, I wouldn't bring him back. I would not bring him. The man's thirty-one years old, coach, and he showed, I think, that he has the ability to do right. But, but you know what? 
I'm glad you used the word ability. You know what the best part of ability is? Availability. And this guy is hurt. He's hurt more than our boy Keith Sweat. Hmm. He's hurt. And so, no, the Ravens don't need him. They've got so many other receivers, so many other weapons that I think that it would be foolish on their part. Well, no, foolish wouldn't be the appropriate word, but it, it wouldn't be a good business to bring this guy back, in my opinion. Uh, Wayne has a question, then we have to go. So, Wayne, real quick, with your question, and then we've got to press hey, forward. Wayne, hey, good morning, Brother Larry. You sound strong, Brother Larry. Hey, hey, um, hey Coach, what's going on? Uh, coach, uh, is it the— there are rumors swirling around in D.C. about the, the um, Wizards going to Maryland. I mean, not the Wizards. Yeah, the Wizards going to Maryland, and I think the hockey team also. Can you uh, you no. got any insight on that, Coach? Yeah. Well, first of all, they're not going to Maryland. They're going right across the bridge to Alexandria. Okay. Yep. That's that's the word. Now, as far as I'm concerned, let them go. The Wizards <laughs> are one of the worst organizations in professional sports. When's the last time they've won anything? Let them go. Let them go. Did they break ground for the new? I'm sorry. Did they break ground for the new facility they're supposed to be building for them? Did you hear anything about that? Well, I don't know if they 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 broke any ground, but I know that the 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 government officials are working right. to approve the groundbreaking. And and look, if if you are a basketball fan, where they're moving is less than 15 minutes driving non-rush hour from D.C. It's right across the bridge. If, if you're familiar with D.C. and you're going right across the bridge, headed towards Crystal City, headed towards the National okay. Airport, that's where that, that land is, and it's right near a subway. So people can go, but as far as I'm concerned, let them go. If they played in my backyard, I'll pull the blinds on them. Shameful, shameful. No, we want to lose nothing for Maryland. Nothing. I don't want to lose nothing for Maryland. And Wizards might be all that you say, but it's still based in Maryland. Look, Coach, I can see we're going to have fun over the next couple weeks and more if things work out. But I got to go. But thank you, good brother. Thank you so very much, sir. Catch up with you right. by phone at least. And for sure, hopefully your schedule permits to join us. Thank you very much. Let's go in for more this at 1 o'clock. There you go. Now that's that's how you do it. Okay, let's get Leo in here real fast, quickly. Leo, Leo, quickly. Leo, you come on, please. Yes. Good morning. Yes, sir. Yes. Uh, just an announcement. Uh, on Saturday, the twenty fourth, is the forty fourth anniversary of the Roots and Scouting Organization. We call it our African Heritage honors luncheon at the Forum Caterers on Primrose. It's at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Uh, we are meeting tonight at 301 McMeckin Street in the Linden Park Apartments at 7 p.m., our regular monthly meeting. The luncheon, the luncheon will focus on the achievements of those persons we feel have distinguished themselves in service to the African-American community. It's a $70 ticket, and it Give us a call at 443-651-2578, 443-651-2578, if you're able to support the event on Saturday or become a member of the organization. 
and focus on the needs of our children, family, and communities in a very special way. Again, thank all of you for your service. All right, up and about, the senior warrior. Thank you so much, Brother Leo. Family, we're going to take a 30-second and come right back with you. We're going to hear, get a report scheduled permitting from Corey McRae, and then we're going to have my, my, my brother Smitty and uh, the, Mr. Ray Davis join us as we're going to find out what's going on with the Marilyn Mosby case and how you and I and others can get involved. What's that? Good morning, good morning. And, of course, you're listening to In Conversation with L.Y. Just want to remind those of you who can, please remember tomorrow, tomorrow night, tomorrow night, the National Action Network Greater Baltimore Chapter Branch will be hosting a Black History Month program. That program is going to be at the New Shallow Baptist Church at 630 tomorrow night. And we're going to give the Lifetime Achievement Award. Al Shopton Lifetime Achievement Award will go to the Reverend We'll go to Congressman Kwaisi Infume, and that's going to be tomorrow night at 630 New Shallow Church, free parking, and you would do well to come and attend it. We've got some fantastic uh, presenter uh, on some Black History Notes, and we will also be giving 14 community honor roll awards uh, to folks who we know have proven themselves to be committed to our community. In fact, last year, uh, the next person was also a recipient of one of those community honor roll awards, rightfully so, and uh, still about the business of being about good business, as he is a tremendous good legislator. Let's turn to our reporter from Annapolis, basically the state senator from the 45th district, who will give us our report on what's happening in Annapolis in the remaining weeks. Let's go to the line right now. Senator Corey McRae, good morning, good man. Oh, wow. Always good to hear your voice. Appreciate you coming on board, sir. Well, we're now, what, halfway mark? Oh, wow. We are at the halfway mark. Um, it's, it's super exciting to be able to see the budget decisions start to be uh, made. Um, our hearings for the respective agencies are somewhat coming to a close. We got about two more weeks, and then we'll be the Senate has the budget first. We'll then be sending it over to the House so that we can kind of collectively come together. They can make their decisions, and then we can figure out what it is that we need to compromise on from an operating standpoint. We haven't – we just started the capital budget hearings to be able to hear from some of the agencies. That started about a week and a half ago, and we're moving through a number of the uh, uh, delegation bills that's taking place too. Wow. What's uh, any particular major issue that you see coming up this this week? You know what, one of them that I'm excited about that I'm working on is creating a fund, a couple funds, L.Y. One of them is um, I go to a number of high schools, and, and a number of the high school students talk about how they would love to have driver's education programming within their respective schools. Um, and what we yeah. did was we said, let's figure out how to make that happen. So we're looking at a number of schools that has certain level of concentration of poverty across the state of Maryland to figure out how can we put together a fund, a $2 million fund, to where school jurisdictions and schools will be able to apply with MSDE to be able to meet that. Within that same bill, L.Y., we, I know you know this, but for the li- listeners, they're what we call – we have state-aided institutions. State-aided institutions receive funding from the state to make sure that our young scholars have the ability to patronize their respective uh, institutions. A state-aided institution is something like uh, the National Aquarium, Port Discovery, 
the Great Blacks and Wax Museum. There are about 30, 40 of these state-aided institutions. One of the things that's uh, challenging also is while the institution may have the money to subsidize or cover the entire cost, the challenge is transportation. So within that same bill, you're going to find that we're creating a transportation fund so that schools can apply to attend state-aided institutions that were already getting subsidized or level of cost for free uh, within that. And look forward to having that, that bill hearing is this week, and I'm super excited about that. Wow, okay. Sounds good, sounds good. The uh, when, when mentioning that schools, uh, the coach was telling us about a bill that uh, Senator... Alonzo Washington, am I right? Mm -hmm. uh, uh, something about um, Mark. Let me see. Get help. Correct me if I'm wrong. That yeah. students who commit certain uh, misconducts, sexual uh, misconduct, and things won't have to be reported. Does it that or charged? What's What's that all about? L.I., this is my first time hearing about that. Those types of bills will go through education, okay. um, energy, and environment. So they call that committee triple E. I, I will hope, I would need to get a better understanding of what the intent is of my colleague and, and what direction or what accomplishable goal are they trying to get to um, before taking any type of opinion or position on it. But, but check that out for me. I, I was trying to get the bill number, but he didn't remember. And it was the first I heard. So if, yeah, I'm, that, that, I'm going to look up. I'm going to look his bills up uh, today just to get a better understanding. I'll see him on the floor tonight. Okay, thank you so much, Mark. Was it? Was it? The, the, I, I didn't tap as much into it as the coach did because I, I was just trying to remember. The, mm -hmm. hmm? Mark. Yeah. Um. Uh. How you doing, uh, Senator McCray? How you doing, sir? You know, I, um, I'm doing good, man, and, and 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 thank you, man, for everything that you're doing to stand up for the people. But he uh, he was saying something in the line of if you if you uh, sexually assault uh, someone on school property or uh, that type of thing, or if you threaten a student, I mean a, a teacher, that you can't be charged. Um, on school property or that type of thing, you know, they can't arrest you or there, whatever. There it is. Those are the two points. But he said he's going to check it out on, with the senator. So now that he, you did a better job explaining what the potential. Uh, and while, here's what I would say. I'm, I'm a parent of four, four children that's within our public school system. There is a significant amount of notification that happens when incidents take place at schools. And sometimes a lack thereof. But I do believe that the parents, the parents, we're sending our young scholars to institutions for eight-hour period uh, uh, throughout the day, so they're not within their respective home. We have to have as much information coming back to us if if there are incidents happening at the respective school. But I will dig into the bill to get a better understanding and understand what the, my colleague's intent is. Sounds good. Cool. Okay, much appreciate you. you on that. Larry, can, now, I, can I say something real quick quickly. while we on education? Come on, come on. Yeah, um, um, Senator uh, McCray, um, the, the the students that that have gone to Annapolis with Mom of uh, uh, Demand Justice, they said mm -hmm. that they want, and you've said it before that we were going backwards as far as this lawlessness in our city. But they said that they want their school um, officers armed. They want more security, and one of them even went as far as to say, "How can I learn if I go to school?" And I think I might be murdered on school grounds. It, 
is that a yeah, comment or a question? Pass some of these bills to, to, to stop this lawlessness in this city, man. No, I agree. I think that um, at the moment we get to certain levels of extremes, and I do not think that there's any type of balance uh, from a standpoint of figuring out where's the middle at around the conversation of SROs and things of that nature. And hopefully there will come a time where we will get to some level of balance or some type of uh, middle ground. I do think that there's a significant amount of guns that's within schools. I actually wrote a letter to Dr. Santalisis about a week and a half ago. Um, at mm-hmm. Dunbar, the the young man earlier in the school year had more guns than he had hands. So he got Ooh, with three yeah. handguns in his locker. And, like, that's compelling to me. Uh, when I go to sports, my kids play sports. I asked them, I said, we have screened, we're screened during the, school, during the school day, but what about sporting activities? When I walk into the gym, nobody, I didn't walk through any type of metal detector or things of that nature. And I said, we have parents, we have uh, young scholars coming from different schools, and I'm concerned in reference to the school safety or the lack thereof, the mechanisms that's put in place. Uh, and would like to figure out how can we work together to figure out what does that public safety standpoint. And I say that in saying, Mark, Last year at, uh, I don't want to get the school wrong, but there was a middle school basketball game, a middle school basketball game where the coach had to disarm a parent during the basketball game because his son wasn't getting time in the game. And, and that's disheartening, but it's a reality, and we have to make sure that we're prepared to keep everybody safe when we're thinking about that. That's right. By all means. Thank by you, all means. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you. you. Senator, thank you so very much, and uh, we're going to be uh, coming down this week, but uh, I don't have a particular time, but hopefully I'll see you. Otherwise, we'll be counting on you to join us next week at your moment of 1030, where we get a report from Annapolis from State Senator Corey McRae from the 45th District. Thank you, good man, and have a good day. Looking forward to talking to you next week, L.Y. Y'all have a blessed day. Appreciate you. You too, bro. We're going to take a 30 second, then we're going to come right back and we're going to get some information so that you and I will understand and know better what we can do regarding the Maryland Mosby case. And we'll have Ray Davis, as long with, of course, Smitty. And uh, there's 24 hours in a day, right? How come he does 30? I don't know. Anyway, we're going to be back with him in a short period of time. In conversation with L.Y., and we have in studio with us. Like I said, I'm really serious. I don't know. I get a call. So three people that I know will wake me up in the morning, and I feel like it's okay to talk with them. One of them is in here right now. and uh, But you talk about, got you now. And, uh, but I'll tell you, these two gentlemen, very special. Very special. Appreciate them much. Have high respect. Holding, uh, one just hosted a meeting this past Saturday that did my heart so good to know that there is still the possibility we can unite. We can unite. We will unite. It will be a time where we can all come in a room, black men, and say to each other, we're brothers and we care and we'll act not by our words but by our actions. And That's on right. board with us right now, Ray Davis, and of course, Smitty, my, my brother here. Both of you, thank you for taking time from your schedule here. It is on a holiday, and yet you've given us some time this morning. Much appreciation to you, Smitty. Much appreciation to you, Ray Davis. Gentlemen, tell us what's going on. Well, I'm going to let Ray start. You know, I always, uh, always start with uh, our elders speaking first, as I did when I hosted the meeting. So you have the floor, sir. Oh, well, thank you for your kindness. Um, 
One of the things that really touched our heart, which is Senator Young is talking about, is that Ray Davis was kind enough to open up his heart, his house, with his wife and family members, and I would say anywhere from fifty to sixty men were available to meet together. A lot of times we say we can't come together on one accord because we fight with each other or we're not there for each other. But the interesting part about it is plenty of food, plenty of people to share life of their lifestyle, of commitment, of what they want to see change in the life that we live every day. And as we discuss different things that taken place in our life and things that we saw, I brought up an issue about Mrs. Marilyn Mosby. But, and the questions are that we brought up, it was great, interesting, because most of the people that were there were able to say, hey, look here, we're with you. And we felt as though that this sister should not be treated in the matter in which she's being treated by the court. I know most of you say, well, the jury made a decision. Okay, that's, that's your take. We were in the courtroom and we organized the buses and we taken people down to be a part of the court trial. And so, Mr. Davis, you want to come on in and share with some of the good things that we just, were able Just to before do. he does, also we're going to be joined right now through Sean Prater and uh, Tyrone Boats is also with us. Mr. Tyrone Boats mm -hmm. as well. Thank you ever so much, mm -hmm. Senator. So good morning. This is Ray. Um, again, no bad days, no bad days. Senator, the um, meeting that I held, I do that two to three times a year with three different groups. Um, young men under 20 years old, young men under 40, and then 45 and up. You're seniors. <laughs> I've been doing this 25 years um, because, as you know, I'm about action. Yes. You know, talking about theories is one thing, but you can only solve our problems by bringing real people into the room. And the people who were there, just uh, I don't need to name their names, but I had three physicians. I had three men who work on Wall Street today that incidentally donated, I'm not going to give the dollar amount, thousands of dollars to different causes during the meeting. They just said, stop. How much? We'll fund this, blah, blah, blah. And I can say two of my friends are multimillionaires, so they have the ability to do that. One of them, I speak to him two times a day for the past 20 years. And I say that because earlier you all had men mentioned mental health. One of the uh, gurus of mental health um, is a brother by the name of David Miller, who has his Ph.D. He's a Baltimore native. And, of course, Richard Rowe was in the house, too. And these men actually work in that arena, uh, and they are professionally trained to work in that, that, that arena. But the men that were there, um, I would say probably eight of them were PhDs, five, three were medical doctors, three worked on Wall Street, and I had a wide variety of skill sets. And what I always tell our community is we can build a nation within a, a, a nation. During the meeting, which was not for Marilyn Mosby, but Marilyn Mosby was informed of it, she came by and um, gave her perspective to the men in the room and allowed uh, her to move forward with some things that she needed. There were also several lawyers there. So 
Um, this meeting was not specifically about one subject. People like Dr. Bunley were in the in, in, were there as well. Um, the, the legendary um, um, Polly uh, president uh, or former, I'm sorry, school president, Barney Wilson was in the house. Many other notable. And again, I've been doing this for years in my home because um, when meetings take place there, people are in a safe zone. They can speak freely. And of course, the great Senator Larry Young was there. But I'm not about theorizing. I'm about strategizing and moving forward. And we accomplished a lot. And as I say, this is something I've been doing many, many years. And, um, you know, I would encourage others to to do the same because and, and the last point that I wanted to make, many of the men in that room, we have different opinions. We have different thoughts, but we have the same protocol. Mm. We may have different political uh, affiliations, but we have the same protocol. Good. And I always encourage our men, don't look at our differences to separate us. Look at what we have in common. Bring those things together, and let's work on, on those focuses. The last thing I'm going to say, and I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to have to leave, is, um, and I may have, I, I, I'm sure I mentioned this, or I may not have when you were still there, Senator. My, my focus with Baltimore is simply to bring the men together and DC to bring the talent together to, to help Baltimore, DC and our localities. One of the gentlemen who was there is, was a high school principal from Prince George's County. And Senator, you may have left before he spoke, but he has had eight teachers hospitalized because students have beat him up. And for those that don't know the socioeconomics of PG County, and I'm I'm very familiar with it because my sister has been in Mitchellville, which is the higher end of PG County. PG County hosts 15 of the 30th wealthiest counties in the world. Black. Think about this for a second. So if even if in PG County, if we have teachers being assaulted, by the most privileged black people on the planet, we have mm-hmm. some serious work to do in our homes. And I'm not going to go into my fatherhood spiel, but I'm going to tell you right now, the numbers are there again. Those kids that have attacked those teachers, my friend who principals there, he said not one of them had a father in the house. So we can keep dismissing that, but all roads always lead back to when we're looking at Juvenile delinquency, early teenage pregnancy, high school dropout, prison incarceration, 87% of that can be traced back to the 6,570-day fatherhood deficit of 18 years. I rest my case. God bless everyone. Well rested. Thank you. Thank you, as always. Let's hear from Tyrone. Tyrone, good morning, because good man. Yes, good morning. First of all, I would like to thank you for um, having us uh, uh, platform on your show with reference to Marilyn Mosby. Um, we packed that courthouse. It was full. The, the main courthouse was full, and the overflow was full. Mm. So it, the, the, our efforts were very effective. We all, it was a good teamwork by everyone. She was very appreciative of it. She, she, she said that and cried. 
you know, with all the, you know, support she was given. But as many indicated, she's being treated dirty. I'm just going to say it. She's being treated dirty in that court. Um, a lot of people understand that the FBI spent millions of dollars for years after Freddie Gray, peered into her personal affairs because they couldn't find any corruption in her office, none, zero. So they had to go to her personal mortgage, tax, and uh, financial records. They're skimming through for years. Now, if that happened to anybody, including myself, they would find some dirt on me that they could find a stick. The whole goal was to take a legal license, a law license. And they've even went so far as to file an emergency appeal, emergency petition to have a law, have a strip of a law license, which is unprecedented. Usually you got to get sentenced first, and then they take your law license. But, yeah, it, it, it was a vendetta. This is not, has nothing to do with mortgage documents. It's a vendetta from the FOP, which has connections all throughout the country. Some police, some prosecutors were FOP. Some FBI, I mean, some FBI agents were police officers. So you got to remember, they got connections all through the system. And they're trying to send a signal that a police officer should be able to go into any black neighborhood and break any black man's neck. And you better not do anything if you're a lawyer or prosecutor. Or we're going to do it to you what we did to Marilyn Mosley. And uh, she spent a half a million dollars uh, defending herself from frivolous stuff that they kept bringing up. She's had to hire armed guards, arms, 24-7 armed security, and uh, she's had numerous death threats and, and unending harassment from the FOP. So because of what she did, she did she made the right decision, and I feel very strongly that nobody should be punished for making the right decision. And these, these, these char- if you said that courtroom, like he said, you would know that these charges are frivolous, they're meritless, and uh, I mean, I mean, who goes who goes to jail for thirty years for fooling around with their own money? Even if she was guilty of something, which to me that didn't prove that she was guilty of anything. So I'm just saying, I'm, I'm, I thank you for the support. And nobody, again, nobody should be punished for doing the right thing. And if they can do it in Maryland, guess what? They can do it to you too if you step out of line. So this is bigger than Maryland. We got to understand that. It's about all of us, especially especially if you're in the activist community. Thank you for your time. But uh, Tyrone and and, and Spinney. Uh, What's the next steps now? What's, what's the next step? And, and let, let me let you know that as long as I have this mic, whatever you want, I want. Okay, our next step is that. Well, you'll take us with you or you? Either one of you. Stay right yeah. on. You, well, you well, well I, when I spoke to Merle, she said she um, she's she's uh, pretty confident that a lot of stuff is get, going to get um, overturned um, when it reaches the appellate process because or reverse rather. Because uh, a lot of stuff, they did a lot of things like um, there was a juror that overheard um, they overheard one of the uh, court security talking negatively about Marilyn Mosby, but they didn't. Not, not only did they not strike that juror, they didn't let uh, the defense poll to find out who heard it. And one of the, the, the officer is a relative of one of the Freddie Gray officers. There's a whole lot of stuff that they did. Um, the perjury, um, they allowed the perjury charge for the previous case to be admitted. And let them let the juror know about that perjury uh, uh, conviction, which is a different case. So they, they shouldn't have been talking about that. They, okay. uh, the, the, the judge took uh, knowingly out of the verdict. All right, I got two minutes left, yeah. guys. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Smitty. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, Forgive me. The, the next thing that's taking place is that on the 23rd, which is we May the 23rd, we need all the support we could get from all of our surrounding people and and wherever they can come for, as Mr. Larry Young would say, Lottie Dottie and everybody to attend this court trial. This is a sentence for Mrs. Mosby. Uh, the bus has already been paid, just about halfway paid for, for May the 23rd, 2023, 20, I mean 2024. And so due to the kindness of Ray Davids, the, the men's just 
open up their wallets and begin to say, hey, look here, we're not going to stand for this anymore. And they're putting their strong support behind us so that we'll be able to make that journey on the bus. And that bus will be leaving from 2100 North Monroe Street, New Shallow Baptist Church. So put it on your calendar for May the 23rd. Bus is going to leave the same time it left before, approximately 930. Fantastic. And, uh, Spetty, Spetty, one more thing. Okay. I want to make sure you get credit for uh, putting your money to, to the, uh, the bus and, uh, you know, myself and the other gentleman. Uh, who was the other gentleman that put the money to the bus? Uh, we had point? the William C. Brown Community Funeral Home. Amen. Okay, so it's, we All use right. our own resources. Okay, to get that thing done, and, and it was great teamwork by everybody, everybody involved. Remember, guys, Monday on the show here or Wednesday on the podcast, I'll make time for you. Great. We Please you. keep us informed. We thank you, thank you so much for coming on Okay, we're going to pull out. We're going to pull out, and I want to thank, uh, of course, uh, uh, Sean. Thank you as always due to your leadership. Big E, Mark. And don't forget the coach show comes on at 1 o'clock today. Catch up with him. And tomorrow night, we're going to have the National Action Network Black History Month, the New Shallow Baptist Church, 630 Lifetime Achievement Award, and 14 community honor rolls. And one of them is going to be sitting, well, she's already here, the marvelous Miss Maybell, coming up in about a minute from now. Have a great week, family, and peace.